Hi, I'm Kenzie. I'm Jamie. And this is the Codependent Podcast. Welcome back to another week. We're so excited to be here. It is the best week ever because it's my birthday week. <gasps> it's Jamie's birthday week. It's been full of surprises. It has been. It's been a really good week. Kenzie never has pulled off a surprise. I I'm so nosy. have the biggest mouth and Jamie is also very nosy. So <laughs> This combination doesn't do well. It does <laughs> it not works. do well in our friendship. Tell us about all the surprises you got this week. Yeah. Well, my first one. Did you surprise me on that dinner? Well, you surprised me where we were going. Yeah. Went to like a really nice restaurant on Tempe Town Lake. Was, was it? What was it? It was a random lake. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's a random lake. You surprised me on it with with a restaurant. Yeah, that was really fun. We went with a couple of our friends. And she surprised me with the literal best present ever. And the best sister ever. She got me golden goose. Golden geese. I call them the geese. <laughs> she literally at dinner brought up golden goose three separate times. I wanted to buy them myself and I was just going to. But I bought them for her. And she so. bought them for me. And then what was your next birthday surprise? I thought Kenzie was pregnant, but she wasn't. Disclaimer not pregnant currently <laughs> currently on the opposite of that actually so not pregnant no she surprised me with all of our friends at um another lake actually another, wow <laughs> so, it's the year of the, the lakes, lakes. surprised me at the next lake. i bought you a boat <laughs> <laughs> she surprised me on the lake with like a floor picnic with all of our friends with tacos which are my favorite and did like a surprise dinner for me there. It was so fun. That was really fun. I was literally shocked because we were supposed to be taking codependent photos for yeah. our Instagram Which page. we still need to do. We still need to do. But we weren't doing that. And Alicia was recording me and Kenzie was acting so weird. So I was like, okay, she's pregnant. I know it. She's about to freaking tell me right now. I'm really bad at surprises. I'm going to have to get pregnant. <laughs> so that's what that means is that Jamie's up next. No. No. So not pregnant. No. Just Jamie's birthday. It's been a really fun week. But there's another surprise we the had this week. The best surprise. Better surprise. than my birthday. <laughs> we are actually in Utah right now. Um, we surprised our best friend, Sydney, who is here with us. Hi. <laughs> and her husband, Taylor, is with us, too. What's up, guys? We thought it'd be really fun to do. We actually are recording two separate episodes with them, so we'll release the next. They're the literal best. They have so much they can talk about. So. I don't know about that. That's true. <laughs> we're very excited So to be here. we didn't tell Sydney we were coming, because last time we were here was when she was pregnant with Sunny, like super pregnant. Yeah. Like was, I yeah. had her that same month. Yeah. yeah, you did. I had her in February, and you were here at the beginning. So we came and February. saw her, and then... We were like, we have to come see Sunny. Like now that Sunny's we born, to meet her. so we have like, we are all having crazy schedules this last month. But we're like, let's just go. Let's just do a quick weekend trip. So we're here from Friday to Sunday. I'm literally texting Tay. We're at dinner one night, the three of us, me, Kenzie, and Alicia. And I'm like, we're booking flights. Like, block the schedule out. We're doing it. But Tay actually thought we were coming last weekend. So he like surprised Sydney with like definitely <laughs> sketched me out last weekend, and I thought something crazy was happening because he was being so sketchy about it well he he my phone is ringing it's like 7 a.m in arizona and i'm like why is taylor calling me i literally woke me up and then i was like oh my gosh he thinks we're coming today he was like did you land like what's going on <laughs> i'm like Tay, i'm like Tay, we're coming next week i'm still shocked he pulled it off though he totally I was, did i was so relieved honestly <laughs> like i'm done so i saw one text come in from jamie i was like i don't even want to know i'm gonna let him try to surprise me we'll just see how it goes thing, i thought I it would be never, next weekend though. i could never surprise any no that's how i feel about jamie that's me jamie's yeah. like so nosy yeah. smart one of that's yeah. smart i know she's nosy we were at the pool with one of our friends and we were with bethany and we we're like oh beth want to be on our podcast this week like we can record this week and jamie's like let's record wednesday and bethany came to jamie's party on wednesday and was like 
oh, I can't do Wednesday. And, and Jamie like, said, what are you doing? I was just like, I'm, you know, I was like Jamie, what are you doing Wednesday? Like, what are you doing? And she's like, I, she's like, I can't actually all week. And I'm like, are you too busy? And she's like, yeah. I'm she like, like, wasn't expecting Jamie to like dig further. I always do. Oh. I just like, I'm yeah. serious. I'm like, I just That's want to know. Totally what are you doing? Every text that comes yeah. in. I'm like, oh my God. Like, why? What? Yeah. I want more. So we're very happy it's over with. And we're very happy Sid's here. So why don't you guys introduce yourself? Tell yeah. us about you guys, how you Ladies met, first. how long you've been your married, kids, the whole spiel. Yes. Okay, well, we've been married for almost six years in September, and we have three kids under three. (laughs) That's wild. (laughs) They're all 22 months apart. And we love the heck out of them. Boys, girls. We have two boys, and then our sweet, sunny girl. We live in Midway, Utah, but... We have moved around a lot the past few years. Um, Lived in California for a bit, and then uh, Arizona, which is how we met these amazing peeps and back to utah um so which was the saddest thing that's ever happened to me <laughs> it's okay it was sad for us saddest, but, very very sad for but us. happy for you guys because your family's here so yeah. Yeah. i get that having young kids with family close is just crucial it totally makes sense we do love I, it here but... i get it but every day i think about it, i still like want to cry i know because it sucks and it happened so fast it really did it even yeah, happened, it happened fast, fast for us yeah it happened fast for us too yeah. Yeah. like we went to dinner and said like I have to tell you guys something. And you guys me and Kenzie were like, oh, I knew. Moving, aren't you? Yeah. When you guys came up for conference and like to see your families and you guys like that was took, the pic- you took pictures texted, on that lot. I texted Ken and I was like, they're not, they're coming, not home. coming home. I like a, yeah. Justin texted me. He's like, I don't think that Sid and Tay are coming home. I was like, they have to. They're building a house. He's like, no, they're moving there. Yeah. He like just felt knew. it. I don't Our know. Our goal is just to persuade you guys to come here. Yeah, Honestly, you guys you're not going to get DJ. You could get me, but you couldn't get DJ. So you get to pick. Do you want me or DJ? Do you want us to be married or no? <laughs> well, no. No, yeah, as no, long as you're fine. here. DJ, if you're listening to this. Sorry. Sorry. He does. He listens to all of them. You can be nice. in St. George. He can, he'll stay there. We're also like only a few hours. Yeah. Summer home. So what do you guys do? Tay, explain, because yes. they owned Acta for yes. a long time and they yeah. just sold it. Yep. So give us so that. So been in entrepreneurship the past eight years. Um started 11 different companies hard to believe oh, i didn't know that yeah. that's crazy that insane. so yeah acta was probably the sixth or seventh different com- uh yeah company and that was sold last year um and now yeah just busy starting two other software companies so um just entrepreneurship it's my passion i, I love building He's so I love trying good to at change it. and um help people out so we're going to do like a whole episode on that, on that, because <laughs> they have a really, really cool story of just how they've like come to be where they are and they've built a dream home. They're building a second dream home and they're how old? Uh, Tay's turning the big 30 this year. Oh my gosh. Oh. I didn't know oh, that. Get me a cane. Get yeah. on it. <laughs> I can barely walk. I'm insane that you're turning 30. It is. Yeah. I'm 29 right now. So come on, give me a break. <laughs> give me a break. You're still in your 20s. Yeah. Like, November is when I turn 30. So yeah. Pretty wild. And how old are you, Sid? 25. Okay. I, I, I knew that. 26 this yeah. year. So they've accomplished a lot in their 20s. marriage and in their life. <laughs> in and life. so we're going to do a whole episode on that and it'll be really, really cool of how... But, this week we wanted to talk about mental health because Sydney has a really cool story. Um, not really cool, but very it's emotional, powerful, and, and empowering. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jamie is going to tie a little bit of her story into it as well. Living in Edmonton, Jamie went through kind of a similar situation to Sydney, not like the exact same, but just mental health. And we thought it'd be a really good episode to kind of have Sydney on because it's such an amazing story. So, and we really wanted Tay on too to. Talk about the opposite side of how somebody who's never dealt with 
mental health issues or maybe little or whatever it is supported her through it right and yeah. so that's really that's important a really that's good, super important it is yeah so when we first got married um my family history and like genetics and everything never had like really even brushed shoulders with mental health so i really knew nothing about it um so I th- it's been amazing to learn about and um to understand a lot deeper um and so hopefully i can help share a perspective for anyone that has never dealt with it or been around it just to get get a little understanding of how it affects people and that that do struggle with it and especially uh, yeah. because it doesn't just affect the one person like yeah. it affected yeah. your marriage and yeah. your family yeah. and, and i think that that's the other thing too is like people don't realize the impact that someone close to them can have if they understand mental health and the support that they can be because that's all they have in the moment so well like you've said you've shared your story with like less than five people and one of them like obviously being Taylor like that was obviously your biggest support and so him being able to understand it and learn like was the most important for you as like for sure he he had yeah he did took so much time when we first got married just to understand it better to be there for me and that was like the best thing he could have done for for me in our marriage because the support of just someone understanding is huge yeah huge so tell us from the beginning because you have always struggled with more of the anxiety than depression yeah so walk us through like what you felt like in high school and when those feelings kind of like started and how they progressed to be where they are yeah I think I just want it to be very clear well I think we should first like probably like have some sort of trigger warning um for anyone going through anxiety or depression or suicidal suicidal thoughts or anything like that um so I think it's like very important to say that but I also do want this to be like a very inspiring story rather than like this sad like completely story because of where I am today I'm such a different person than who I was at that time but I know that those things I went through made me who I am today and but they don't though, define who you are. Yeah, I'm in such a different place. Like yeah. I don't. I look back and I don't even recognize that person it's anymore. Crazy. I look back at pictures of Sydney when we first got married, and she's still at her core who I fell in love with, but in a different light. Like she's done a 360 degree like change. Absolutely, she's and I so like different. feel it too. Yeah. Like I just feel it. Diff- I'm so proud of her. Honestly. Yeah. So I. But it took a lot of work to get there. Totally. And. I am great, even though I look back and I wish I didn't have to go through those trials and those feelings that I had, I am grateful for them because I wouldn't be the mom or the wife or anything that I am today without them. And we've talked a lot about that on previous episodes, just a lot things that we've gone through and how we've overcame them and how it's made us the person we are. And so I feel like we center a lot of episodes on that. Yeah. Like, this happened, but it doesn't define who you are and it doesn't. Yeah. What defines you is how you overcame it's it. It's part of yeah. your that story. That defines you. Yeah. And it will forever be part of your story. Yeah. And, and that's why I had so much fear and like, I haven't ever told my story and I'm grateful for you guys letting me. Um, but the fear of it defining who I am is one of the reasons I haven't. And also just having people see you in a different light that's almost like a weak or broken light is really scary. It's but I so think hard. that I think we've both felt that like yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that's, but talking about those things that could help other people who are going through the same thing is 
I don't know. I, it's inspiring. Yeah. And it's hopefully. uplifting. And yeah, you hope that. But it also makes, I think that filling those hard feelings about talking about them is what makes people not want to talk about them. It makes it them. more taboo. It makes it yeah. way more taboo. Because it's like, am I, tell, am I telling my story because I'm attention seeking? Are people yeah. going to think that? But it's like, no, at the end of the day, it is what you went through. And it's not people thinking it's attention seeking or it's like trying to draw, draw attention to yourself. I mean, I've even, I even felt that with like being sexually assaulted. I'm like, mm-hmm. if I share my story, it's not like, I feel like people aren't going to think it's because I want to share it and raise awareness, but I think it's because people are going to think I want attention when really it's because I want to raise awareness. And the reason people don't talk about it is because they're worried about being judged and because yeah. they're worried about, which it should be the last it, thing that they think. about. Absolutely. Yeah. And so even though it's a hard topic to discuss, like people need to hear those hard topics. Yeah. Right. And our listeners are, the most supportive like people yeah. out there and you're you'll be blown up with messages I can guarantee oh it. I know you will in the most positive way because people are just going to yeah. be so like inspired by your story and relate to you yeah. because well like, I told Tay when we talked about doing this I was like even if there's one person that I can help who's going through something similar it's worth it you'll help way more than will. one when I told like my foster care story I had no yeah. idea that there was so many people that had been in foster care and that had parents that were drug addicts like I had no idea because people don't talk about it. So yeah, it's, and it's things that should be talked about more. So, so you always struggle with anxiety and then fast forward to getting engaged. You guys are engaged at this point. So we were engaged. And, um, of course I went on birth control and I feel like birth control was the road I went down that, um, started to make all of my anxiety and just hormones in general, a lot more heightened than, um, ever before. And there were things I haven't ever felt, but I didn't have, I didn't think there was any other option. I was like, I have to be on birth control. Like, this is just what you do when you're yeah. like engaged. Yeah, this is what you exactly do when you're married. Like we, I just have to keep going. So I just kept going, taking the birth control and my anxiety just kept getting worse, which spilled over into depression. Um, and it got to the point where Tay and I just decided, um, and this is like all I feel like pretty private. Like I, I didn't really talk about it with friends or family or anything. Looks like she's six years ago. Yeah. It was definitely yeah. not talked yeah. about yeah. like yeah. at all. I was like, well, I'm feeling these things, but we were very naive in knowing what to do. Like, okay, so you're feeling this way, but what do we do? Um, <clears throat> so we went to a general, um, family doctor, yeah, um, a general practitioner, general practitioner. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's the only thing we knew how to do at the time was because I felt so off. Um, and I remember like going in and he gave me like a piece of paper that was like a survey, a, a survey pretty much. Like, how are you like feeling? Like they do postpartum. It's like, yep, yeah, don't yeah, have postpartum like depression. That. Okay, good. Yeah, you're good. Bye. Okay. Yeah. Uh, obviously all of my check marks were like very high for anxiety, depression, all the, all the things. things. Yeah. So he was like, okay, like this qualifies you for, this qualifies me to give you um, pills to help you. But the thing that, is wrong with that right away is that he didn't ask me anything personal about me or my feelings or my life. He made me fill out a paper and just said like, okay, this is what you're getting. Like it's a generic, like it everybody will just You have anxiety, us. depression, here's a pill. Yeah. yeah. And so he gives me Prozac, um, which is an antidepressant and he gave me a very, very high dosage. It was like 40 milligrams, which if you're not like, if you don't know that, that's like eight times what she should have been getting. For your for body. Her, for, my, for her body yeah. type. Yeah. And just for my situation at the time, like, it 
I don't know if it was bad enough that I needed it that much in the first place. And another thing just to like preface this story is that there's two different types of antidepressants. Um, there's a family that belongs to a, like that's geared more towards anxiety. And there's a family that is geared more towards depression. Prozac is definitely geared more towards the depression side. I needed something that was probably more geared to the anxiety side. Obviously they go hand in hand. Like if they start spilling over and like, you're not taking care of it. But those were your main feelings. But my main feelings started as anxiety. And then I started to get really bad depression because of all of it. So the Prozac, um, we didn't know any better. So I just started taking it and side effects of Prozac. If it's not the right dosage, if it's not the right pill for you are suicidal thoughts and like heightened depression, heightened anxiety. Like it's the the exact opposite. opposite. And those are side effects that you have if it's not right. Especially in young girls. There's a lot of studies about how, yeah, they're wrong. If if just Prozac being prescribed to like most doctors will say into suicide. Yeah. Yeah. Most doctors will say like it, when they give it to you, like be careful, like just watch yourself. Like just, if you start to feel this certain way, like talk to your, like talk to those people who are close to you. And so, Obviously, there's a lot of people on Prozac that it is the right thing for them, and that's great, but it, there's a lot of other different kinds of antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications that mm-hmm. um, probably would have fit you better. Yeah. So I just started taking it. And also knowing um, your life, like you said. Yeah. Like knowing that you were on birth control. When did these symptoms yeah. start? Yeah. Like, like, oh, maybe you should just get off birth control and see how you are totally. first. Or like, there were so many other ways it could have went. But she did come to understand finally what she should be taking at the, at the right dosage. Um, but that but was like we'll later on. Yeah. Um, this doctor, I, I, I think just like another moral, moral of the story is that like, I will never just go to like a general doctor for a specific problem is like totally whether it's mental health or cancer or I broke my leg or my son is struggling with speech therapy. Like I will take them to some, that specific person who got a degree in that area to diagnose that problem. Especially mental health. Yeah. Because people are trained on that. And that is not a general practitioner's job whatsoever. They should have, what they should have done is say, you You probably should go see a psychiatrist Or a therapist and maybe start with therapy instead of a medication. Yeah. And it it was just like, he was just handing out like crazy, um, medication. He even prescribed me Ambien. Like while I was there, he was like, you're not sleeping. Okay. Here's, here's Ambien. Like that's like a addictive (laughs) and Ambien is like a very addictive, very scary drug. Like he was just like, and I remember picking up that from the pharmacist, like the Ambien and the, the pharmacist was like, um, or like, just make sure, like, just be careful on this. And Taya like immediately took it and like researched on it and threw it in the garbage. Like I didn't ever even take it. Oh my gosh. Because we just didn't know. We were really young and naive. We weren't talking to our parents about it. Like, so anyways, fast forward, I had been taking Prozac for how long do you think? Um, it had been about maybe and a my month, birth control, a month and a half or two on Prozac, obviously. And then, and then birth control for about six months. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the holidays came around and the holidays are as an, as a newlywed couple were pretty stressful for us because we're, we're trying to figure out like how to divide time in between families. And for how me, did, how did you feel right before Christmas week? Um, cause I think that for me was the first warning. I was like, Oh, like there's something really wrong right now. I was obviously through the months of taking Prozac every like 
each week my depression got worse and worse and worse because obviously it wasn't the right thing. Like, would you not want to leave the house? I didn't want to leave my bed. I didn't want to do anything. Like, I just remember feeling just so dark and so broken and helpless inside and not knowing, like, how to help myself. Like, just complete... I don't even know how to explain it. And it's it, really. so weird to see, like, to hear that from yeah. you because it's like, I think of like Christmas and I'm like thinking yeah. of like you, like decorating and doing yeah. cookies and, and like doing be- what you love. Yeah, yeah. And like design, like decorating your house. Like, yeah. that's what I think of when I think of like you around the holidays. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of sad to hear like. And those six, like, first six months of marriage too usually are like so fun. You know, yeah. you're in that honeymoon phase and you're just like, yeah so in love and but that like throws a huge yeah. like curveball it just yeah it got worse and worse and worse and I knew I was in a really bad spot but like I didn't know how to help myself or get out of it so I just but I didn't know like what was causing it necessarily because I wasn't as educated as I am now so what was your reasoning for not talking to like parents about it was there a big reason that you didn't feel like you could open up to other like adults about it was there yeah. something that you were feeling like worried about I think like in the moment um when you're really just like mentally like unstable it's very common at least it was for me to tell myself I was okay and like even though I didn't want to get out of bed or I was having a hard time finding joy in a lot of things um it was easy to just like put on a happy face and be like I'm fine like I'm I'm okay like I don't want to be this way I don't want to be hurt inside I don't want to be like the person that comes across as crazy by trying to tell someone how I'm feeling I don't want people to think that I'm broken so and I, I feel am like, not gonna tell anyone like yeah and I don't I don't I want I had such high expectations for myself as a wife too that I was just like I don't want like I'm failing myself as a wife I'm I I don't want to be this for Tay like that's what I was going to say. I didn't say. want to talk about you it. You hold yourself to like very high standards. You still do. You don't yeah, I was gonna ask say that. for help when you need it because yeah. you just like want to take it all on. Yeah. At your the, personality. Yeah, it is. And yeah. it's like the best quality, but in circumstances like that. But yeah. I also feel like that's very similar to you. Yeah. You're very similar. I would similar. never ask for help because yeah. I'm just like, I'll do it and I'll just put my head down and yeah. it's fine and I'll get through it. Yeah. I was also working at the time when we first got married, I was working like super long hours at a dental office and it was one of the first jobs I like real jobs I had ever really had which obviously shouldn't have been but it was and like that was very hard on me um because I wanted to be like this amazing wife that was like cooking these great dinners and like keeping the house super clean and like (laughs) well I would come home like during my lunch breaks I had like a 30 minute lunch break and I would rush home like put something in the crock pot and then rush back to work I was just like burning myself out and Had on top of it, I was like, cup. yeah, I just, on top of it, I just was taking this medication that was really putting me deeper and deeper into like this hole that I felt like I was in. And then the holidays come around and I just like felt each time that there was a family event or any type of gathering or get together, um, when you're not feeling yourself and you're not feeling, um, like, I just, like, didn't look in, like, I looked in the mirror and just didn't recognize myself anymore, and you don't want to go to, like, family parties when you're in, like, that state of mind, and especially, like, this new family that, like, you want to love you more than anything, and they're seeing a side of you that, like, you've never even seen, like, 
but that's their first impression of you so it's like so hard to even show up and I know that that was really hard for Tay and his family to experience like this new sister in their lives or daughter-in-law in their lives that didn't want to like come to family parties and it wasn't something to do with them it was just no. you internally but yeah as being like a new daughter-in-law yeah. like in your head you're probably thinking of what everyone else is thinking exactly. of you yeah when Which you're already makes it worse makes like, it so much worse absolutely you like think these terrible things about yourself because you're like why can't I be like the daughter-in-law or the sibling that I wanted to be like thinking like growing up like thinking about that I was not like fulfilling that either so do you feel like your family noticed um I don't know I don't think that they did or I don't know if they understood what to even look for like you said it was never something that you guys talked or even thought about but also um depression can be very quiet I was gonna say that yeah, like I, I, I wouldn't think that even I mean even people that are very familiar with mental health um, it's hard to it's hard to realize what to look for so yeah with people with no experience I, I think they probably just thought everything was normal maybe she's being shy in certain circumstances and maybe they might not even have thought that anything was wrong but in her mind everything was wrong and she wasn't living up to the expectations that she had always dreamt of yeah that makes total sense. I remember we there was a I think it was Christmas Eve, and they were going to do like one of their family traditions of like doing a Christmas jar, and I was having a really hard night. Like I was I was in a really really bad place that night, and I remember not wanting to go, and I remember that like crushing day because he like had never missed that, and his family not really understanding what was happening, and I was like in the basement with him, and we were having a really hard time because I just wasn't feeling up to going. And I remember it being really hard for everyone. And I think the best way to describe maybe how it felt in that moment was that if you're trying to climb a really slippery slope and you, you keep trying, but you keep falling and then you fall back even further yeah. and you fall back further and you keep trying, you fall back further and it just keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper till it's like, it got to the point where I was just like, I, I like hated myself for not, doing those things like I remember like being in the basement like I don't know why I can't go do this you literally can't wrap your head around the fact that you just can't yeah and it happened all the time like you did something you regretted and it it could have nothing to do with family or nothing to do with Tay but I just remember like doing something that I regretted even just a thought that I had and then just like doing like doing something or saying something to myself that put me down farther like into this just like darkness that I felt and that's what made it all really hard throughout that month is that I felt like I was just like letting people down constantly and yeah I just got to the point where I just like broke um yeah so the um the morning after Christmas day it was just obviously another hard day and morning for me. I didn't want to get up. Get, I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to do anything. Um, there were a few things that happened that morning that were really hard for me to hear. Um, and I just didn't know at that point, like, what to do. I really wanted someone, like... To just understand that 
I was really hurting inside and that I really, really wanted someone to. To validate what yeah. you were feeling in that moment. Yeah. I to just, make you feel like you weren't alone. Yeah. I wanted someone to see that like. You were hurting. What I was going through was so real and that it wasn't. I had so many people and, and things happened throughout the months of me being really in a bad spot. Um, I had people say like, she's just doing this to get attention and I'm not going to apologize because that's what she, she's just getting what she wants or, um, these feelings that she's feeling are just fake. Like, and hearing those things over a course of time when you're not getting better just makes you feel even more crazy because you're like, no, I know that what I'm feeling is real. And, um, that morning I just was just done. And I wanted someone to just know that what I was feeling was feeling was so, so real and I needed help, but I didn't know how to get it. Um, so that morning I took, um, a bunch of pills that I knew probably wouldn't kill me, but I knew would hopefully show someone that it was like a cry for help. Um, and obviously Tay, it was that we were living in a small apartment at the time when we first got married and I was in our, um, bedroom. Tay was in our living room and he had heard, um, like the pill bottle, I think is yeah, what happened. And he, he ran in and he asked me like how many I had taken and what had happened. And I was so like, I don't know. I was just so like flustered and numb. numb. I, I didn't even know, like, I didn't even know how many I had taken. I didn't even know what was happening. Um, I was very like coherent. Like I wasn't like, you're just like there, but you weren't like yeah. living. You're yeah. just like, yeah. And, um, he was like, I, I call, I'm calling 911. And I was just really, I had heard, you know, stories similar and I was immediately so worried about where this could send her. He was body like, I'm physically. not, yeah. He's like, I'm not going to take a chance. I, like I, even I if I what you took, I knew I couldn't even wait two minutes. Like I didn't know what she took. I didn't know how many, if I waited a couple minutes too long, I could lose her. So I decided the best thing to, to do was just to call 911 and get an ambulance there to get her to the hospital. Were you worried? Were there like warning signs to you that you thought she was going to do that? Like, no. did you think it was that bad? Um, I knew that it was bad and I knew that she had felt, well, she, I could tell she was feeling really blue and, and very like dark and I've been trying to help her out for months, you know, doing everything that I could figure out how to do. But um, at this but point, I never you didn't ever know. thought that it would get to get that, that point. Any, I didn't really think it was to the point of self harm mm -hmm. at all. Um, and so, yeah, it was a it was a surprise and just a sinking feeling that I was going to lose the love of my life, and I needed to save her. So um, we called nine one one, and I'll, I'll let you tell the rest of this yeah. part because I know it's it's important. So the ambulances, like, I don't know how many there were. Maybe there were just one, two, um, showed up at our apartment complex, which in and of itself is, like, very hard and embarrassing um, because we have friends that live there that don't really know what's going on at all. Like, they just see us at church on Sundays, and they see us out and about with our dog. Like, we had a dog at the time that was, like, the only thing that got me through each day. And 
Um, they took me to the ambulance, um, pretty much forced me to. I didn't want to. I think I was resisting quite a bit. Yeah. And I remember just being in the ambulance thinking, like, it's okay. Like, everything's going to be fine. Like, I'm going to go to the hospital, and they're just going to they're going to see that I'm okay, and then I'm going to go home with Tay in, like, an hour. No one's going to know about this. And, like, I think looking back, that's, like, the hardest part to, like, realize that I was thinking you were still going to be alone was okay like but that I, like I yeah like the fact that I was so not like so mentally not there that I thought everything was okay like almost like what you did wasn't that big of a yeah. deal yeah, exactly. exactly like they're gonna look at me and say you're fine girl, and then girl. everyone's yeah. gonna know okay this is a big deal but not yeah. not really you like yeah. you didn't think it was that big of a deal yeah like it was kind of just something Which that shows where her mental state was absolutely like, well, it wasn't a big deal. well like your mental state you said was like a cry for help but then at the same time you're like it's just gonna be over and like it's yeah. fine like i i, I really your brain was just like, was like fog like yeah you had nothing it was all over the place like in the moment i was like i want everyone to know how i'm feeling and then afterwards i was like nobody's can know no one can know and i everything will be okay and obviously tay called our families and um everyone showed up at the hospital were you mad at him for that i was mad at him for even calling the ambulance in the first place but I, looking back, it's, like, the greatest thing he could have ever done for me because that's, like, when um, the, like, road to healing and getting to where I am now, like, started. If you wouldn't have called the ambulance, if I wouldn't have started on that road, who knows where I would be today? Like, it's the best thing that you could have done. You needed that rock-bottom moment. I needed the rock-bottom moment to, like, start rebuilding. What was the family's reaction? Um, I, they were all just very concerned. Um, were they shocked? I think they were all very confused. Um, I mean, her side has more history with mental health, so they were, they they kind of understood what was going on. They were more understanding. My I side, um, I would honestly say, out of complete care and love, was just so concerned, wanting to make sure she was okay. Um. Uh, but for her, obviously, it was embarrassing, and she want, didn't want that. I didn't there. want anyone there. Um, but they were just so concerned and, and wanted to do anything to help. So, yeah. How long were you in the hospital? Um, so I, I honestly thought I would go in and go out. But obviously, with situations like that, doctors take it very seriously. Like, they evalu- they were evaluating me all day, um, asking me questions, asking me to take questions, asking my family questions, asking every single question that they could to understand like what state I was in, if it was bad enough that I needed to go to like a care facility and get help, um, or the other road, which I ended up on. But, um, yeah, I remember walking out of the hospital, like it was the morning that it happened. And I remember walking out of the hospital and it was dark outside and I was like, what is going on? I was at the hospital all day. Like they had to pump your stomach or anything. I think they did. No, no, I don't think they did. Are you sure? I think they determined I was, they were going to be okay. I was like so. I think that when I they got gave her there, some other stuff to like remedy dissolve it the or pain whatever. and yeah, okay. all of that, and to calm her down emotionally. They gave me a lot. I think they yeah. gave me like Xanax and some things to calm me down because at that point, like I was You're pretty worked up, and yeah. so I don't remember a lot of the hospital situations because I was, I think, so drugged up that I just was like really relaxed and. Yeah, so they were asking a bunch of questions to everyone. Um, and they, because the time probably flew by so fast for me, because I was so 
relaxed at the moment. I, I thought that I was going to walk out and that it was going to be morning still. I was like shocked that it was nighttime and that it had taken that long because I thought it was literally no big deal. Like I was still <laughs> thinking that I was just going to go home and everything would be fine the next day. Um, but pretty much what the doctors ended up deciding is that I could either go to a care facility, which they determined was not like the right, like I wasn't in need for that at the time. And they decided to pretty much, um, require me, I guess within 48 hours to have a psychiatrist appointment and, um, like counseling and to start counseling like immediately. So I think within like a day or two, um, I went to a psychiatrist that um, was really well known in Salt Lake, and he was amazing. He, I, I went to him and I sat with him for hours, just talking about like everything that had happened and transpired in the past like six months. And I remember him asking so many details about how I was feeling and different events that and how they made me feel. And at the end of it, he was like, he had told me that the Prozac that I was on was way too high of a dose, like quadruple the dose that I should have been on. Had you continued taking Prozac from the time you left the hospital till then? Or did they tell you at the hospital, like, stop? It was only like a couple of days. I don't, I don't think I was on it. I don't think I took it within that time frame. They didn't ever stop. Yeah. Um, She went and saw the psychiatrist, like she said, like, I think it was the next day. Yeah, I'm sure it was the next day. And the right family of uh, medicine that she needed to be in there's different classifications of antidepressant that can help but she had like five milligrams of i think it was like lexapro or something like that at the time which when you compare it to something like prozac and 40 milligrams that's a big difference (laughs) it's a it's a different family of drugs and it's way too much i don't know know exactly what what it was something like that i just remember him saying like the prozac was way too high of a dosage and it wasn't in the right family and this is what I want you to try and I want you to see how you're feeling on it which is something I should have been told with Prozac is like try this and see how you're feeling were on you, it were you kind Be of aware. scared to like try something yeah new? it was not terrifying even bolster. to this day like I have never taken birth control since like yeah, we, we just don't touch any type of birth control anything <laughs> yes. besides condoms because <laughs> we just don't go that way hormonally yes. yeah Anything well, like that, you like, said, alters. you so already careful. have like a genetic, yeah, like, predis- like, yeah, yeah. You're already like genetically disposition yeah. to like mental health, like, yeah. That makes it even scarier because mm-hmm. I mean, those people are also more likely to get postpartum depression, postpartum mm-hmm. anxiety, all of those things too. Like, your genetic makeup says a lot about yeah. how like you will perform in life, like, yeah, it was, what you'll get. It was pretty terrifying to try something else. I think it was really scary for both of us. We were like, okay, like. But I, I didn't have anywhere else to turn or go. Like like he said, it was like rock bottom. So I, I also had to cut that tiny, tiny pill and that tiny dose in half and then in half again, I think. Like, like it was yeah. like such a small, really like we just started off really slow and just to see. Um, and we could already tell that like within a couple of weeks that it was helping a lot. But um, then we found a counselor within probably a week for me that, Honestly, to this day, like I still like praise her her name so much. So much. She, Mm -hmm. she's an angel. (laughs) She's just like completely changed my life. I don't know where I would be. I know the medication helped me a lot, but 
she helped me even more. Talk therapy is yeah. It was yeah. so the like combination of both is like the healing ingredient. That's what I, she told me. She was like, I I do like if you're I do require you to be seeing a psychiatrist, and if he suggests you being on medication, then like we're gonna you need do it. That. You need to take that until we decide that you don't need to anymore. Um, so I saw her like a few times a week, and at the time we were like newlyweds. It wasn't covered on insurance or anything. Um, it was like a huge sacrifice to be able it was to like, like hundred bucks a session. So it was like twelve hundred dollars a month. But we were oh just like, and yeah, as newlyweds, yeah. that's like <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it was hard. saving. It was saving her. Yeah, yeah. and so it was worth every penny. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think the combination of the two was super um, healing for me and. She was just amazing. Like, I think I can't emphasize enough, like, finding a counselor that you feel very comfortable and confident in. Um, now that I'm there thinking was just, back, like, we a feeling. I tried you. a few. Yeah, we had to try a few. When, in my psych classes, they said the minimum amount of therapists that you need to see is three. So, like, yeah. Eve, yeah. like my, my, like, professors would say, like, when they had, like, a new client come in, they'd say, I how many therapists have you seen before me? And if they're like, this is my first, like I want you to go and see two others after me. And if you choose me, that's great. And I'll continue to see you, but I want you to go and see other therapists because you need to see three. You need to see what's going to click with you and what's not going to click with you. And yeah, what's it focused on? Like a lot of them focus on very different. There's so many different practices. I remember going in and like to a couple and being like, what is going on? in here like this she's not even asking me about me she's not asking me questions i remember going to someone and she literally gave me like sheets to fill out just like the general practitioner like yep. and then yep. there was some that were just like i didn't click with but they may, maybe were great counselors for and therapists other for other yeah. people yeah. absolutely but she was just like amazing um i went to her a few times a week for a while then i just started tapering off um and doing like once a week tay would come in to se- sessions with me and sit with me and just listen um and he learned a lot from those yeah it was very helpful um he i think that that was like a turning point for us and him understanding like what i was going through like what, because what do you feel like the biggest things you learned in there were i think the the main thing to understand if you um haven't had those experiences before is that mental health is as real as like a broken arm Um, and that's the best way to describe it after like diving super deep into all of this is that, um, when things are chemically or hormonally imbalanced in the brain, it's, it's the same thing as, um, yeah, like a a broken arm. And if you obviously had broken your arm from falling out of a tree, you would go to the hospital, you would get help, you would cast it, you would remedy that arm for six to eight weeks. Like, um, it's, it's very real and that's the hardest part with mental health and why I, I feel like it's been taboo for so long is you can't see it. Can't see it. Can't physically And there's see people it. that are really good at hiding it. Like even yeah. like you said, like yeah. you, like you said, it's just, it's a quiet illness like yeah. quiet. until it just can take can over. Take yeah. And yeah. you feel like inside, like you shouldn't talk to people about it or you'll look crazy like that you'll look like this crazy person like because that's how people have made it out to be like they've made it out to be like if you have mental health then you are like mentally insane or something yeah which i uh, there was a podcast that my sister sent me that i by sadie robertson that i haven't even listened to yet but he the guy who was talking about mental illness taught he called it like um brain health which is like a really good way to put it i love that 
I, I feel like the word mental like makes people think that like it's you're like mentally insane or something but yeah, so but yeah. it's just mental illness like it's brain health and if your brain is sick you're going to take medication for it or you're going to love go that. to like just like if you have a broken bone you're going to go to physical therapy after yeah. like there's different things that you'll do to heal and you need to heal your brain too um and i think that I even I learned a lot about that through counseling and Tay did a lot of work outside of coming to sessions with me when he could um just like researching and Uh, listening to different things that helped him understand more which I appreciated so much because he just was able to be there for me in a completely different way than prior like uh, he he tried so hard like like I will give him all the credit in the world for trying so hard to be there for me but it wasn't like the same type of feeling that I got when after he truly understood in a way that like someone can understand without having to go through it themselves totally get that I think another just answer go back to your question of like okay what does what does that look like to you when you went through that it's almost like I realized that those who do struggle with different types of mental health have these like thinking patterns that are almost habitual where they always think a same way um, in relation to like their relationship or the way they view the world or themselves and realizing that uh, it's not fake and you can't just go in and change it and say like well just be happier or just change your attitude or just be more grateful or whatever um, it's really hard to, to just say that because that that's or not don't how be so worried like like with anxiety like that's not not very hard to it, like their their brain literally just thinks like habitually in the same pattern um, and it takes time and it takes work to be able to help heal those patterns to become a different pattern of thinking and that's where I've seen Sid evolve to over years of hard work yeah and and like you said just having those thoughts and trying to get rid of those habits that are contributing yeah. to those feelings yeah it took a lot of counseling it took a lot of you have to change your just, whole it's honestly like you scary think. like you don't want to like dive into questions and things that like counselors are asking you because it's, it's scary it's hard and going to I never there were so many weeks that I did not want to go to counseling there were like that Tay was like Sid like you gotta go like you gotta go and after I left it was like I don't know why I would ever not want to go. Like a weight is lifted. Yeah. It's It's almost like going to the gym is what I was going to say. Like like you don't want to go to the gym. I get up in the morning. I'm like, I do not want to go to the gym. I'm dreading going to the gym. And then after the gym, I'm like, wait, why did I even question going? I feel times you feel better. Or if you have like social anxiety, like you're like, Oh, I don't want to go to that event. I don't want to go to that girl's night or whatever. But I like need social But I know I need to. And then you go and then you leave feeling so much better, like just uplifted. And so yeah, it wasn't like an easy process. It was really hard and long. Um, I think are, that. Go ahead. What I was gonna say. What What's uh, some of the things you learned there that, for someone listening, it could be helpful to, for them mm-hmm. to know too from like counseling that you learned. About. Um, I think that. A few of the things I I learned um, I learned about how to view myself differently which strengthened me a lot and gave me confidence that I hadn't really ever had. Um, there were, when we first started counseling, I remember like my counselor got out like all these pieces of paper, like they were all like different colors. And she was like, just go out in the hallway. And I think you were at the session. She's like, just go out in the hallway 
she gave me like a rainbow color like color of markers and paper and she's like go out in the hallway and just like draw how you feel like and this was at the very beginning and she's like just draw you and like how you're feeling at this moment in time and like how you felt and I went out in the hallway and I picked a black piece of paper and a black marker and I just drew a stick figure with like a cloud around it and she had me do that like throughout our sessions um as time went on and I remember like halfway through our sessions like after a few months had passed like I remember drawing it like the cloud next to me and then at the, like closer to the end of like when I stopped seeing her she I picked like a white piece of paper out and the cloud was like behind me and I feel like that's very like symbolic of just like trying to like leave everything that I had um regretted and everything that I had thought about myself behind was really really important for me because when you're in that place you think so low of yourself like you don't want to be having those thoughts and feelings you want to be good for everyone around you and I remember looking back at like the things I did or things I thought or said and just regretting it so much and not being able to get past it and just feeling like worthless and like but just being able to like learn so much about myself and gain so much confidence um in who I am and see myself in such a different light um was really really healing for myself um. Yeah, I think one of the main re- realizations when she was going through counseling that I had learned is that we all view the world in two different lenses. And when I say lenses, like imagine like picking up a pair of glasses and putting them on, and that's how you're seeing the world. Um, and there's two different glasses. The first one is the way that this is like an exercise that my counselor did with. I think um, it's very helpful because we talk about it all the time. We and talk actually, about it all the time. I still. see it in the world a lot yeah. and through other people and stuff. But um, pick up the glasses. The first glasses is the way that you see the world, and the second glasses that you pick up is the way that your higher power sees you. So um, no, you know, it's the way like the way that you see yourself interacting with the world. So it's like okay, it's. It's how we, it's like an I, it's, it's like an I am statement of like your, how you see, um, yourself interacting with like the world, how people around you. So like your derive, it's called your derived lens and your inherent lens. So your derived lens is, uh, comes from a place of like all of your worst, experiences experiences in life life that have made you think poorly of yourself so like um we did a lot of exercises and Tay did it too which has helped our marriage so much because we can both everyone has a drive lens everyone has it doesn't matter your mental health everyone has a drive lens everyone has an inherent absolutely yeah so we just we did these exercises that took a long time to go through more what drive lens yeah so a drive lens like a narrative there would be like I am a failure always because I suck or something like yeah. that. Or um, I am annoying. <laughs> I am annoying and um, and nobody likes me. Or I I um, like what, they're all what was negative. Yours? I'm they're broken. All negative. I'm broken and blah blah blah. And these come from your childhood. This could be from like your friend groups. It could be from family. Uh, any family, family exper- just any experiences, experiences that you had growing up. And that when we're in our worst states, that's how we all see the world is that I'm a failure, I can't do this, or I'm broken, or these bad narratives. And then the other side, the other lens is, well, how does my higher power see me? 
And it doesn't even have to, it doesn't have to be God. It doesn't have to be like just how you feel when you are your best. Yeah, like what, what, what are you telling yourself in your mind when you're, you are at like the highest, happiest level? Yeah. And we did lots of exercises that she, um, pretty much did so that we could get to the core of what our drive lens was and what, what our inherent lens Like kind of what made you feel like when you were at your worst yeah and how you can pick yourself up to make you feel better and yeah yeah, how and when you feel your best yeah because understanding like almost triggers yeah like almost what triggers yeah we talked about what yeah what are you doing when you're in your drive lens okay well you don't do that anymore like like it's that easy right (laughs) like we but we talked about like hey said what like what are you doing when you're in your inherent lens like we figured out my inherent lens and we figured out tay's inherent lens and like hey what are you doing when you're in those things and how can we be doing those things more more. often yeah And and a little bit more of like conscious thinking yeah like you're You're studying your brain yeah think a different way just like you're saying like when people with like mental illness they're like habitual like their habits of thinking like they're just always negative and they're down because that's Mm -hmm. just I mean that's just your genetic makeup and how you're feeling and then to talk yourself out of that every single time it just has to become a habit of speaking positively and I think that's why therapy is so 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 important for mental health because they're just training you to completely completely rewire your brain into Mm -hmm a positive mindset, which is something medication can't do. That's why medication is taken with therapy. That's why those are so important. I can't believe a doctor just like threw medication at you without saying to go to therapy. Go home and take this and you'll be fine. Like it was insane. Um, But also like you guys didn't know better. Like that's why mental health needs to be talked about. That's why there's sex ed in high school. Why are we not talking about mental health? Why are we not talking about mental ed? Like we should be talking about these things, especially with our children. Like that is so important. Yeah. Yeah. And helping our children as well, like learn to see themselves in their inherent lens more often and do things that help build their inherent lens. And we were talking about this at breakfast. Like kids say the things that you say. So if you're speaking negatively, if you're only looking at your negative, your children are going to do the same exact thing. And we've said that, like we said that about last Yeah, body positivity. On being, yeah, conscious about what we say about ourselves in front of our Mm -hmm. kids because they truly do pick up on that. And it's just like affirmations like are huge right now. Like even like looking at yourself in the mirror and saying affirmations or telling your kid to repeat an affirmation to you is pretty much telling their brain to think a certain way about themselves so that they approach the world in that, in that lens. Exa- exactly. Because if you're in your derived lens and, and you will go out into the world, you are thinking that everyone thinks that about you. Like subconsciously, that's what you're thinking. Like for me, my, my derived lens was like something along the lines of like, I am broken and no one likes me. Like, and I, if you like, if I was in my drive lens, I would go out into public or go out into a family event thinking everyone here hates me and like everyone here thinks that I'm broken and then like of course you're not going to come across to other people like like your best self yeah like your best self like what you would feel like in your inherent lens um and so I think that that was one of the most important things we learned it's helped our marriage it's helped our family yeah and derived lens lenses and and depression anxiety are so powerful that you could be around the most loving and positive people that the world has to offer, but you still feel that way. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. And I, yeah, it's helped it's, our marriage even so much because I can odd. like, I know what Taze is. And so I can say to him like, Hey Tay, like, listen, you're not disappointing me right now because maybe his like, 
a lot well, of his drive. My drive lens is that I am a failure or that I will fail. And I just like you that I'm a disappointment. That and I'm, yeah, so I tell him like I'm like, Tay, you're not disappointing me right now. This is why I'm upset. But that comes it, from my childhood. Yeah, 100%. percent totally. Probably for a different episode and why that is. But <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, and it's like the way that I live and when I get in that spot, I always feel like I'm letting everyone down around me. It's like crazy to hear this because as like somebody who met you guys at, at your best, like that's how I felt when I met you guys. And I've obviously I've seen harder times yeah. you've gone through and when you came to Utah and like how hard that was, but it's crazy because it's like those things you say, I'm like, you seem like the most confident, like beautiful, just person, so positive all the time. And Tay, you're like so hardworking. You never fail. You take risks. You like do it all. So it's crazy to hear. What like you are. think that about yourself, but we For all sure. do. We all do. Yeah. But I would never, ever say that. Yeah. yeah. So it's That's crazy. That's I say. Everyone has those yes. lenses. And they're quiet. They're, they're quiet. they're so quiet. They're quiet. So Jamie, I do want to kind of dive into you in your story a little bit and like what do you feel was similar to Sydney's story to yours I feel like as Sid was talking about just like the dark feelings every day was like harder and harder those feelings are like so real I just like got chills thinking about it because they really are so real what was your what was your situation in Edmonton that brought you to have those feelings? I feel like with me, because we're talking a lot about like genetics and how the brain is like predispositioned for certain feelings, but mine is like my feelings of anxiety or depression is definitely more situational. Mm -hmm. I can pinpoint situations in my life where they were so scary and so hard and it was definitely situational. I had the worst anxiety, like panic attacks being hospitalized when I was in high school. Nobody knew about that because I was so scared. But like literally the second that I'm like taken from a bad foster home and I was in your house, like the feelings were completely gone. So it's like, it's definitely situational for me. And I've known and recognized that pattern enough that I knew in my life it was the situation I was in that was causing those feelings. Which is, that's so real. Well, yeah. And it's so, I mean, like when you take a step back away from it, you can see that and it's good for you to be able to see that. But when you're in it, it doesn't yeah, feel that way. It doesn't. So when you guys moved to Edmonton it was right after your DNC. We had our yeah. miscarriage episode. Yeah. And we kind of talked about it there where we talked about how just a lot like hormonally, like you yeah. were saying birth control, but mm-hmm. similar of having a DNC surgery, oh, yeah. your body 100%. just thinks that you had a baby and yeah. it's like, yeah. or that you're still pregnant more than anything. Yeah. And so those it. hormones are just crazy and we moved there and Justin just jumped right into law school, which is so hard with a kid in grad school. And I can't work. I'm not a citizen. I can't do anything. You I have, have zero around. friends, no family. Like I'm just completely alone. It's cold. It's dark. It's cold and dark. And, and I never thought yeah. I had seasonal depression. Like seriously, never, never, well, never did yeah. I think that. Mm-hmm. But situational and, depression and seasonal, like yeah. those are real things. Like yeah we lived in lehigh when we when i was going through it and it was gloomy and cold and i grew up in arizona where the sun is like always shining yeah Yeah. and we had lived in rexburg for four years like it's cold and dark there but this was like a way different level it was another level and we had gotten there and i was feeling very very anxious and just like telling justin like i'm always just scared like i just feel like something bad's gonna happen to me which is so weird. I would like be so scared to drive in the car. I'm like, I'm going to get a car accident. 
or like go to the grocery store. I'm like, I'm yeah. like, someone's going to take Navy. Like anxiety, it was just yeah. horrible feelings. And I'm like, I'm so irrational. And I knew in my head I was being irrational, but it didn't matter because I was feeling it. And we had a really, really scary neighbor and he was like hitting his kids and he oh was a drug addict and that brought back a lot of trauma for me. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so I told Justin, I'm like, we need to move. Like, I'm not okay. Let's yeah. move. As soon as I move, I'll feel better. And that's what I said. I'm like, we just need to get a better place. Like we need more sunshine, like more windows so I can get sunshine yeah. in the house and let's just like move. And I think that it'll all be better. And so we moved to a different place and like, it didn't matter because it was just getting worse. Yeah. And I had nobody, like nobody. And I'm a very quiet person, but kind of like you. Like I didn't want to tell anybody that I was going through it. And I would tell Justin, but like. Did she talk to you about it? Kim? No, I had she no idea. Literally I literally had no idea. There was, there was the point when you guys were at your old apartment. We came and visited. It was like in October. But I remember feeling like it was very gloomy. Like, it, like I was there for a week and it was very gloomy. And it was October. Like it wasn't even like the height of winter yet. And I do remember feeling like, this is like kind of gloomy. Like it is kind of a little bit depressing. And like, I was only there for a week, you know, yeah. and I felt that. And then I could also feel, I could feel your anxiety living in that apartment. And I definitely thought it was that apartment because every time we got there, like you like ran inside, you locked the door. Like you did not like your neighbor. I was there. He was parking in front of your house on the, the lawn. Like he had like punched out our other neighbor's window. Yeah. And so and we were so, like in townhomes, they were connected. Yeah, yeah. So like all of that made sense to me. So in my head, I'm like, it's definitely the apartment. Like she'll yeah. feel better when she moves. But I, I mean, I know I shouldn't like beat myself up because you didn't talk about it. But like I do beat myself up because I'm like, I should have known how bad it was. But like I genuinely to my core had no idea how bad it was. And I feel like my anxiety was just getting worse every single day. And it got so bad. Like I would just text us. I'm like, can you come home? Like I'm scared. I just can't be alone. And he's like, yeah. I'm literally in school. Like, I'm going to fail. I can't. I'm like, I just can't do this. And every day, it just like, I don't know, you just wake up and you don't feel anything. Like, yeah. looking in the mirror, you said that. And I'm like, yeah. it's literally how I felt. It's like, I don't know who I am. Like, I'm just a mom trying to just, like, live, I guess. Yeah. And um, it just felt, like, darker and darker every single day. And... I remember just like one day waking up and I like told Justin, I'm like, please don't leave today. Like, you can't leave me. I just feel like really, really scared. I'm going to hurt myself. Like, I don't know why I'm feeling this. I feel crazy. But I really felt like I was going to do something to hurt myself. And I was like, I'm just going to, like, Justin's going to go to school. I'm going to put Navy down for a nap. And I'm just, like, going to die. Like, I just wanted to die. And I didn't care. And I, like, can't even imagine. It, like, hurts me that I would even say that, knowing, like, maybe. And I would never leave her. But it felt like that. I was, like, I just don't care. Like, it hurts so bad. It doesn't matter. And I just told Justin, like, you can't leave. Because for some reason, like, that day I just knew. I was going to do something if he left me. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, just please stay home. I remember calling my mom and I was like, I'm not okay. Like, Justin can't leave me. I'm just, I had never felt like suicidal. I literally have a degree in social work and I worked with people who felt that and I helped them. And 
you always thought like if it ever got to that point you would know i would know like i'd see the signs i'd see the signs and it got to that and he didn't leave me and i called my mom and i just said like i'm not okay i need help and she said i'm buying you a flight home like just come home it'll be okay and she said when do you want to go back and he said i'm not coming back like Justin can come meet me or I guess like I don't know what we're gonna do but I yeah. couldn't even think that far ahead it was just like in just that like moment. we're getting by day to day and so my mom booked me a flight for the next morning and I like packed maybe some clothes I packed myself some clothes and I just told Justin I'm like I don't really know when I'm coming home like I don't know but walking out of our town like our apartment or townhouse whatever we had I like just felt like I was never coming back. Like I was like, I can never come back here because like the feelings live like live in this house. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I came home and like the feelings were there, but they were like within like a couple of days, I could feel them like slowly going away and not completely, but I felt like, okay, I can at least like feel the motivation to get up today and like I have to put on a face because I'm around all my family. Well, and, and how, like, like, scary. I can't imagine going through all that, like, with a kid. Like, being a mom, I can't. And like, just, like, looking in the mirror not knowing who yeah. you are. But that's, like, all I ever wanted to be in my whole life. Yeah. So. What things did you do that helped you to get out of that spot? So just moving on. Yeah. Justin we had it was on a Wednesday like I remember the day specifically because I remember waking up on Monday and I was like this is like so weird I don't know why but in my head this is just like the crazy thoughts I had but I was like on Wednesday like I'm gonna like end my life like I'm not gonna be here anymore like I don't know why that day was just like so significant to me and like Tuesday came and I was like I'm really scared like I'm really scared for tomorrow like I don't know like I said I don't know why but that was just like what was happening in my brain and so it, by Friday, Justin had packed up our whole entire apartment. He dropped out of school and he moved to Arizona. What like it was That's that so quick. Awesome. I flew home Thursday morning. By Friday, he had packed it all up. And like by Sunday, he was in Arizona. It was a 30-hour drive and he was there with all of our stuff. We had no idea what we were doing. We had no idea, but he knew that that's what he had to do because yeah, yeah. that was our only he choice. Did, if he wanted his yeah. wife like... Yeah to be alive and I know that sounds so dramatic but that's truly like yeah. I don't know yeah. what it, where I'd be if I'd be here if we would have stayed there yeah. like it felt that scary and so to answer your question I got into therapy mm-hmm. and I went to a couple sessions like you said I didn't feel like I really vibed with her like mm-hmm. I just didn't click she focused a lot which she did help me a lot in like focusing on the DNC and how I never really even got over that and oh, so yeah. she thinks that contributed a lot to like my hormones being out of whack and like never seeing a doctor for that just jumping into like a whole life and kind of leaving that behind but that's still like such a big part of my life yeah and never talking about it to anybody and but she really didn't want to focus on like my childhood and I felt like I needed that because I feel like that's where a lot of my anxiety comes from and I just have like overall anxiety about taking medication because like my family's drug addicts and so it scares me to like have medication or take it and so I know for myself like I just don't have anxiety if I don't take medication so that's like something I avoided for myself because I knew how I would feel 
Um, and I had been on anxiety medication when I was in high school for just a really short time. And I just, I had worse anxiety with it because I was so scared of like what it was doing to my body. Right. And so it's whatever works for you. Anyway, honestly, and that's why I say it was very situational for me because we moved to Arizona and I went to a couple therapy sessions and like, she helped me realize that. And like, I was able to talk to you a lot about it and you just had like no idea. I I remember talking in the car and you're like, what? Like it was that bad. And, and I think it was really, I mean, I have been in your shoes Tay. Like, like I felt so helpless and I also felt so stupid. Like, and I know, like, I know there's not anything I could have done. Like I genuinely to the bottom of my heart, no, there's nothing I could have done, but like, there's, I wish I could have done more. Right. Like, I wish so bad I could have been there more. And especially, like, like I hear you, like, I, like saying that, like, you were so close to, like, wanting to end your life. Like, that, like, I can't imagine you having those thoughts and then just feeling alone. Like, obviously, we do everything together now. And we're together all the time. Like, I can't imagine what I would do if I lost you. Like, that is terrifying. And, like, with really no... Like warning, warning or signs. And that's why it's quiet. It's so scary because I yeah. truly had no idea. None of us knew. Like my mom was like, oh, Jamie's coming to visit. And I was like, oh, awesome. Yay. I'm so excited to see you. Yeah. And then I remember like getting in the car. I was like, Jamie, I'm so happy you're here. And you just start like bawling. And I was like, yeah. wait, like, are you and Justin okay? Like what is going on? Yeah. And then you just opened up and told me everything. And I just, like I'm your best friend and your sister. And I had no mm-hmm. clue what was going on and I feel like it hit so fast we were in we were in um Edmonton for like only three or four months yeah and so like you said you're within the first six months of your marriage but like it hit you that quickly that that hard and that's that's how it felt and I feel like just slowly doing things for myself and like I don't know having my family around was really really huge for me I think more than anything yeah and finding something that I was other than a mom has been like Mm. so big for me, just something that I love. And yeah. So I feel like that's really been a big help. And I always am like checking in with myself. Like, am I good? How am I feeling mentally? Like, am I doing something that's causing it? I'll like wake up some mornings and I'm like, okay, I feel good. Like everything's still going good because I feel like I want to get out of bed. I'm like excited about my days. I'm excited about things coming up. And that was like, where do you find that time as a mom to kind of have that self check? Is it just a quick, quick check in the morning honestly yeah more than anything I'll like or even before bed I'm Uh like I just think about I'm like okay is everything like am I still feeling okay am I excited about things coming up like even hard days as a mom you're just like want to give up but you know you aren't going to and yeah it's like I'll remind myself like all the things I have that I'm like so grateful for and I can't imagine not having yeah and so that helps me like a ton and I think those just like self check-ins is really what helps me i would love to find a therapist just because i think it's so important everyone just like yeah i we've we've had check-ins like maybe i i like call my counselor like about once a year just like on when things like are just like overwhelming i I need advice that someone's that isn't close to me yeah like i just need to talk to someone that doesn't isn't in the situation and I think that that's so helpful. Like, yeah, and the therapy can come in waves. Like for her, it was a lot of counseling up front and a little bit of medication that got her out of that there and started to get her on a better path. And then she stopped. She she stopped taking any medication and stopped counseling slowly. You know, slowly yeah. started working off of that. 
Um, we were, we were at the point where we wanted to get pregnant and I just didn't want to be on medication anymore when I, we were trying to get pregnant and my counselor and my psychiatrist felt really good about yeah. where I was and I just kept healing and you just, you continue you just to keep healing. You just keep you healing every Dan, day. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's like, that's the podcast for me. Like yeah. I feel like every episode yeah. is just like healing, like a yeah. little bit more. It's like yeah. you can just open up a little bit more and yeah. it's so healing. Yeah, it's, it's like been the best. my therapy because even though like obviously we're talking, but usually no one's talking back to me. <laughs> but it's like then you get messages and just people like, I know you're talking to all of them and they relate. And I was going to yeah. say, I think the most common like theme of like anxiety and depression is the loneliness mm-hmm. and like maybe not even anxiety and depression, but even like trials. Trials yeah. are lonely. Yeah. Like going through something is so lonely, mm-hmm. but not being able to like talk about it. But then when you get messages that are like, I went through the exact same thing or I had those exact same feelings. I mean, like even an episode as like small as like our body image episode, like not even like our sleepover episode or like foster care, like more just like body image. Like I had so many messages that related to that when I felt so alone about that, like just to not just to know you're not alone. And I think that is like such an important message and like why I'm so glad that you were willing to like get on and talk about this too is because it's it'll make people not feel as alone and there are is probably somebody listening that is in their first six months of marriage that is really struggling that is having those same exact thoughts and doesn't feel like they're going to get out of it and like they can look at you and be like look at her life like look at her family look at her husband look at her kids and look at the amazing mom that she is and going through that made you so much stronger and so much better and such an amazing mom like I've never seen a more amazing mom. Like you, literally, same. I think are the talk best. about you all you the time. I really do think that's really good. It's, Thank you for giving me a place to feel like I can, because it's something that I didn't ever know how to share or when I could. So thank you. It means a lot. To me, it's a is an important reminder tonight that there are thousands of people going through the same situation and. It's normally silent, and it can even be your best friends or your family members or the people that you think you know best, and it's just a reminder to send them a text right now if you can. Just ask how they're doing and let them know that you care. Um, Check in with yourself, like you said. Get the therapy or um, medication you need, and yeah. All of those things are so, so important, and we've, we've shared this before on our um, on the episode that Kinsey did when she told her story of sexual abuse and we think it'd be important to also share on here um, the National Suicide Prevention hotline number just as another resource um, even if you're not struggling but somebody else is we like to just have that on there we'll put it in our bio of this yeah, episode we'll as well we'll put it in our bio so just so you guys know yeah the phone number is 800-273-8255 so if you know anybody that's struggling, or if you're struggling, you can always reach out to me and Jamie. We'll always reach be. Reach out to us. Reach out to us. <laughs> Sit and Tay will always be there too. But again, we're just so extremely grateful that we get to do this podcast. And we love, love you guys. guys. <laughs> and we will see you guys next week on the Codependent Podcast. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. 
Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.